you to please turn with me to Daniel chapter 4. This morning we move on to Daniel chapter 4. And before I read Daniel chapter 4, the entire passage, which is going to be plus minus 8 minutes, I want to encourage us that if we do long reading, it's actually very short compared to the Israelites in the Old Testament. There was a time, you can read about it in Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 3, when they got Israel, the leaders, to, to come forward and they read for a quarter of a day. Alright, they read for a quarter of a day. I'm only reading for a quarter of our time that we hear. So that should encourage you. And, but it's good we read scripture because some of you might have never read Daniel chapter 4. Now you're going to hear it for the first time. So Daniel chapter 4 starting at verse 1. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid, <clears throat> Excuse me. and I lay in bed. The fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream. But they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last Daniel came in before me. He was named Baltazar. After the name of my God, and in whom is the Spirit of the Holy Gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Baltazar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it 
the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream of the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and riches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven." And seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. And, as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness, and your inequities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honoured him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done?
At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride is able to humble. <coughs> pray. Father, we thank you for this scripture, this lengthy passage. Thank you that you care for humanity. You care for your children. You care for us. And thank you that your word warns us and it builds us up and it, and it, and it helps us. It guides us. Like we always say, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. How to walk with you in this world. And we see at the end, those who walk in pride, you are able to humble. And Father, that's what we would like to look at this morning, pride and humility. And we thank you that we have this passage to see how serious you are about pride and sin and what goes on in our lives, especially your children. You will chastise us. You will punish us. But help me now, Father, to be clear and understood. Help us all to listen. You've given us ears to hear. Help your word into our minds and hearts so we may learn to love you and love one another and walk humbly with you in this dark world. Help me now, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to continue with, with God rules. In chapter 1 we looked at God rules. In chapter 2 we looked at God rules the impossible. In chapter 3 we looked at God rules the furnace. And now in chapter 4 we're going to look at God rules humanity. As a Christian, we should know that God rules humanity. Or the question is, who do you think rules humanity? And by the word humanity, I mean all the people of the world. That's man and woman. If you're a king or a queen or a president or a prime minister, a CEO of a company, a doctor, an accountant or a pastor, God rules humanity. You've got here because God rules you. Yes, you're also responsible to get here. But the fact that you're here is because God rules over your life. A Christian to say, I know and believe God rules humanity. I trust Him because He is sovereign over the entire universe. An unbeliever would say, He rules. I am the captain of my life. An unbeliever would say, he rules, or she rules. I am the captain of my life. Sorry, I wasn't plugged in again. Someone said, now listen to this, this is serious, okay? I was reading around. I can understand an unbeliever saying, he rules. God does not rule humanity. But it's sad when a believer will say, I rule. God rules certain things in my life, but I'm in charge of other things. Now, this is what someone said. Failing to know and rejoice in the absolute rule of God over humanity is a sign that we are becoming like animals, not human. You can agree or disagree with me, but if you look outside there, humanity acts more like an animal than like a human. 
Why? Because man has forgotten God. Alright? When man forgets God and man says, I rule, they forsake true reason. They're not interested in moral considerations. They're not interested in truth anymore. They become arrogant and blind to God's reality. The less human-like we are, the more animal-like we are. And how can we prove this? Well, a psalm says this. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will stay or it will not stay near to you. I'll read it again. Psalm 32 verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. What keeps that horse near you is the bridle and the bit. Yes, I know we can ride horses bareback, I know we can have control over a horse, but if a horse sees something and it gets scared and you bear back, it will buck you. It can do the same with reins and a bit, but we've got more control over the horse with a rein and a bit. We have no control over a horse over, over a horse if we don't have reins and a bit. But now we need to know this. In other words, when it comes to the understanding, the powers of moral reasoning and spiritual perception is not granted to animals. We must know that. Animals do not reason. My two dogs did not wake up this morning and say, Mark, please make me bacon and eggs. No, I don't feel like bacon and eggs. I want cereal this morning. Animals are on instinct and impulses. Their choices are dedicated by impulses and instinct. Animals are not created in the image of God. With God-like reasoning, God-like choices and moral thinking. So it's so true when man forgets God and man pushes God away and says, I rule, God does not rule, he will become more like an animal than like a human. Man can still do good. I'm not saying he can't do good. And not every man acts like a beast. But there are some that act like a beast. And I'll put my life on the line. Think of the Russian war. Putin. Is he being human or is he being animal? You think about that. What about dictatorships? What about what's happened in Africa? What's happened with, with, um, with, with, with well, Idi Amin in Africa? And you think of Hitler in Europe. They acted like beasts. The sad thing is that Christian or non-Christian, we all want to rule our lives. That's the problem. We all want to rule our lives. And scripture says no. God rules humanity. I'll read this from, from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 to 12. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as heaven above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. God rules over all. God rules humanity. And to know as a Christian that God rules humanity, that should bring great joy and comfort to our heart, that nothing catches God by surprise. He is in control 
over everything. And as we look at Daniel chapter 4, we're going to see Daniel chapter 4 is a journey from pride to humility. We'll see what pride does to a human being and what humility does to a human being. And I came across this lovely quote as I was reading. And it said that at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. So you need to examine your heart this morning to see who is controlling your life. We want to look at two things from Daniel chapter 4, from, uh, verses 1 to 37, and to see if we are allowing God to rule our lives. Like I said, you're either going to have pride, which is the greatest enemy, or you're going to have humility, which is our greatest friend. And the first thing to see if we are allowing God to rule our lives is pride. Now obviously, if there's pride in your life, and yes, we're going to look at this now. And if it's, if it's there in a full-blown sense, God cannot be ruling your life. God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You can read that in James, and you can read that in 1 Peter chapter 5. Before we move on to this, we've just got to put this passage into context. You might be saying, Mark, what has happened here? In verses 1 to 3, we see King Nebuchadnezzar giving glory to God. And then in verses 34 to 37, again we see King Nebuchadnezzar giving glory to God. Well, 1 to 3 is an opening testimony, and verses 34 to 37 is a closing testimony. And what is happening in Daniel, we'll see what goes on in the life of Nebuchadnezzar between verses 4 and 33. It's like me standing up and sharing to a group of unbelievers my testimony and I might say God has done all this I give him all the glory but now I want to tell you what I was like before and at the end of my testimony I give God all the glory again this is what we see we're going to see what went on how did King Nebuchadnezzar get to honoring God and we saw in chapter 2 and in chapter 3 how he gave glory to God but it was lip service so you must be careful as a Christian if you profess to be a Christian and you tell people how much you love God, but behind closed doors, when no one sees you, there's so much pride, God will chastise you. God will punish you. And we'll see this in Daniel chapter 4. As much as we hate to admit it, we all have pride. If you've said this morning while I've been speaking, I don't have pride, well, I'm sorry, that tells me you do have pride. Because a proud person will say that I don't have pride in my life. We all have pride. The problem is, where is it? And how is it expressed or shown in my life? Do I have it? But where is it? And how much of it do I have? We just have to turn to Scripture and we can see that pride is strongly and dangerously rooted in the lives of all people. King David had pride. Paul had some pride. King Saul had pride. The only man that did not have pride in his life and lived the perfect sinless life was Jesus. Which we'll look at more when we come to humility. But we must think of King Uzziah. King Uzziah served God for years. He grew and became prosperous. He became famous and strong. 
But 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16 says, But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. That's why we need suffering in our life. That's why we need trials in our lives to keep us humble, to, to get away, to get rid of pride. Pride is all about self. It focuses on self, the service of self, a pursuit of self-exaltation, a desire to control and use all things for self. We've got to become selfless and we've got to become otherly. We've got to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. We had to serve, not to be served. Pride was the first sin. If you go back to Isaiah 14, it records the downfall of a king, but not an earthly ruler, but a powerful angelic creature. Lucifer, the fall of Satan himself. Lucifer is an example of God-defined arrogance, which led his rebellion and fall. The motivation behind Satan's rebellion is exposed in verses 13 to 14 of Isaiah chapter 14. Listen as I read Isaiah chapter 14. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself the most high. And what was Lucifer's? What was God's response to Lucifer? He sent him. He punished him. He threw him out of heaven down to earth with all the other demonic forces. Pride led Lucifer to desire to be equal to God. And in response, God swiftly and severely judged him. Folks, when we stand before God one day, let's be sincere, let's be honest. When we stand before God one day in judgment, there's no ifs but God, if this, but God. You're either a child of God, and you're going to the new heavens and new earth as sheep. Or you're not a child of God and you go to hell. There's no ifs, no buts, no reasoning with God. No, but God, this, no, but this pastor told me this. Where's your discernment? Why don't you open up your scriptures and see what I say this morning is true? Be like a Berean, search the scriptures. There are pastors this morning that are lying to their congregation, that are actually also self exaltation. We must be aware of Scripture. We must return to Scripture and realize that it's pride that it leads us to our downfall. Proverbs 18.13 tells us that God hates pride and arrogance and the way of evil, therefore, it will be punished. It's a warning, folks. If there's pride in your life and if there's arrogance in your life and you profess to be a Christian, you're going to be severely judged. You might not be judged now already, but there will be a time where you're going to be judged when you stand before God. Proverbs says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. That's Proverbs 16.5. And this is what we see in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. He's punished for his pride. His journey of pride starts in verse 4 of Daniel chapter 4. It starts where he's in his house and, he, and, he, and at ease in his house and prospering in my palace. We must be aware that's where our pride can also start. We start with humble beginnings and then we look 10, 15 years later, we've got this beautiful home, beautiful garden, beautiful pool and we stand in our lounge and we look out and say, look what I've done. 
Yes, God, you've helped me, but I've done a lot more. Be aware. This is a warning. As soon as you elevate yourself, you will be humbled. That might not be immediately, but there will be a time when you will be humbled. And this is what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. God humbled him. He was boasting. And God brought this dream to expose his pride in his heart. Isn't that lovely? When a suffering comes your way, or, 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 or a tragedy comes your way, God is also trying to, to help you see what is in your heart. Where is pride in your life? God in His grace and mercy brings a dream to communicate an important message to King Nebuchadnezzar, to expose his pride. God could have just said, that's it, King Nebuchadnezzar, to the grave, off you go, and struck him dead. And in verses 4 to 26 of Daniel chapter 4, it's all about the king's dream and interpretation. We can't go into great detail, but we know King Nebuchadnezzar's dream terrifies him. And then he calls his magicians and his enchanters and he calls the astrologers. It's like us calling the world and its philosophies to help us with our trial or our circumstances. What can they do for us? Absolute nothing. They can give us some, some, some insight, they can give us some knowledge, but they cannot get to the root cause of the problem, the heart. And guess what? In steps Daniel. And what does he bring? He brings light to the dark heart of Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jesus did. We should be so grateful and thankful for God's love that Jesus steps into this world to be the light, to bring light to our dark, prideful hearts. You see pride, you see love, and then you see humility. That's how God works. The fact that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we need Jesus to shine his light into our proud, dark hearts. To give us the knowledge and understanding in this world. To take our eyes off self and place them on him. To walk in his ways, to bring in glory. Basically to walk humbly with him, which we'll see, Lord willing, next week. But before God saved us, it was doing things for self-glorification, self-exaltation, walking in pride. And you need to examine your heart to see if that's still not you today. King Nebuchadnezzar was walking in pride. He was living a life of self-exaltation. But he was about to be punished. It's a very strong judgment. God's judgment comes on King Nebuchadnezzar but this is a beautiful message of warning to us. It's amazing that God warns us. God has given us so many warnings in the scriptures how to walk humbly with Him, how to walk faithfully with Him, how to walk truthfully with Him. And King Nebuchadnezzar has, has this dream. The central motive of his dream was a cosmic tree representing a world empire, powerful and might, which reached all and provided for all. The enormous tree growing and reaching into the heavens. Wow, when I looked at that word, reaching into the heavens, I just read around about it, because I'm also learning from this passage. And the commentator said, heaven is what condemns King Nebuchadnezzar's pride. 
and reminds him that his power and even his sanity are a gift from God. No matter what you've, ed- what you've done in this world, if it's through education or through your hands practically, it's all to the glory of God. He's given you the gift, the talent to learn, to exercise your brain or to exercise your hands to make a living. We cannot take any glory for ourselves in this world. Not even you actually can't. I can't say this morning it's because of me we're adding four new members to the church. It's absolutely nothing to do with me. It's all God's doing. And you read about that in the scriptures when they preach the word God added to the church. God adds to our church. God grows our church. God grows your, your home. God grows your finances. God grows your possessions. And you need to know that. And if you haven't, humble yourself and repent and ask God to forgive you and, and, and thank Him for the, the home that you're building and that He's allowing you to build. Otherwise, He can take it away from you immediately. That doesn't mean everybody's home that has been taken away from them that you've known in the past is because of pride. There's also our stupidity, our carelessness, our, our lack of wisdom, making irrational decisions. Again, Maybe because of pride. But I'm just saying, don't now say, oh, so-and-so lost their job because of pride. It's not all because of pride. And then, Daniel, the Belteshazzar, has to tell the king, king, that tree is you, O king. That is you. Yes, you built your empire. This tree is going to be cut down. But a stump will remain for seven periods or seven years. The cutting down and the trimming of the tree will symbolize King Nebuchadnezzar's disgrace and removal from the throne. And the leaving of the stump was a promise that he would one day rule as king again. The king will be judged and humbled but not destroyed. Again, we see God's love. God warns us. God helps us. I think of Judas Iscariot, the deceiver. He had so much time to repent. So much time to actually not do what he did. And that was betray Jesus. He was in the company of Jesus. But he was responsible to make that choice. We are responsible to make our choices. God doesn't make our choices for us. He has given us wisdom to make those choices in his honor. And what grace and mercy God shows towards the proud king... He was in great danger because his heart was becoming proud. And King Nebuchadnezzar was judged because he was taking all credit for his Babylonian, Babylonian empire. And remember there was a watcher. A watcher, a holy one, said this. And that is a warning to us that God is watching over us. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. He knows what you say in your hearts about your lives. He knows what pride is in your heart. You can't hide it from him. And be careful, he doesn't send a watcher or a holy one and cut you down. Because God can do that. He's in heaven and does as he pleases. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the living hands of God. He's a a fire. He's a consuming fire. Read about him in, in Hebrews. And King Nebuchadnezzar loses his power and glory, but also his rationality. 
His very humanity would be removed from him and he would be let behave like wild animals. The one who thought of himself in God-like terms would become beast-like so he could learn that he is merely human after all. Like I said earlier on, when humanity refuses to submit to God as creatures made in his image, they are in danger of descending to the level of animals. Basically, King Nebuchadnezzar would lose his dignity as a human being created to rule animals and not to imitate them. We must know the Most High rules humanity. And he takes credit for all works of humanity. And because King Nebuchadnezzar would not listen to what Daniel says in verse 27, in verse 27 of Daniel chapter 4, Daniel again warns the king, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. There again, God is warning King Nebuchadnezzar, this is what you need to do. Repent. Practice righteousness. Break away from your pride and your sins. It's amazing when Daniel, if you go to verse 19, just stay with me, stay focused. Then Daniel, whose name was Balthazar, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. When he knew what the dream was, he, he was dismayed. He was worried. Because he loved the king. And he, and he wanted the king to repent. He wasn't worried because of what's going to happen to the king. He was concerned. He had a, he had a friendship with this king. He was serving the king. That's why he says, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. He, Daniel wishes that this dream was for his people that hated him and his enemies. But this dream didn't come to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was dismayed. But he has to tell him. And then he warns him. He lovingly warns him in verse 27 that you need to stop, break away from your sins by practicing righteousness. Repent of your pride, acknowledge your sins, turn from them, and put faith and trust in the true living God, the most high God who rules humanity. What a loving and merciful God we serve. Think of how God came into your life, how He humbled you, how He saved you. What were some of the circumstances leading up to that? You read some books how some men were saved and and before they saved, they should have died about three times. One guy's parachute didn't open up, but he survived. The same guy was on a warship and he got off in time before it blew up. And the third time he was diagnosed with some illness and he was spared. And then he repented and put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had three wake-up calls. God is always there to bring things to our attention. If there's pride in your life, you need to to take verse 27. Break away from it. Practice righteousness. What does God require of you? To love kindness, love justice and walk humbly with Him. God is opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. You cannot, you cannot 
allow God to rule your life if there's pride in your life. God can't. And I know we're not perfect, and I know there will be pride in our, pride in our lives, but I'm talking about continuous pride. On a Sunday you say one thing about God, but the other six days you say something else about yourself and nothing about God. That is practicing pride. That is practicing sin. And Paul says those who practice sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. This dream concerns King Nebuchadnezzar's own need to acknowledge that the God of Israel is the one who rules humanity. The affairs of, man, the affairs of mankind. God himself and his word always demands a heart response. But unfortunately, pride is what stands in its way. At the cross of Christ, we see God's love, his divine justice, his grace and mercy, where they beautifully meet to save us from our pride. So this first thing that we looked at this morning, from Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 to 27, to see if we allow God to rule in our lives. And obviously, if it's pride, we are not allowed God to rule in our lives. Look to the cross. There Jesus died. There Jesus died to forgive your sins. There he died to give you the gift of humility so that you would clothe yourselves in humility. Be warned what, what John says. And we've worked through John's letter. And John has warned us in 1 John chapter 2, verses um, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. If you have pride in your life, you cannot do the will of God. But if you have humility in your life, you will be striving and giving it your best to do the will of God. So may you repent. May you be challenged and exhorted by this message like I have been. And may you look at Colossians 3.12 and put on new clothes. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. And how do you put on humility? Well, it's an everyday process of reading God's word and putting that into practice when you go out into the streets and into your workplace and into the shops. That you are clothed yourself in humility. Because God cannot rule your life. The God who rules humanity if your heart is full of pride. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you that you've given us your Son, Jesus Christ, to bring us to our senses so we can walk humbly with you. But forgive us, Father. There's pride in all our lives. We just need to know where it is and how it's expressed and repent of it. Help us, Father. Help me to work on my own heart of of, of pride. Help us all to confess and to humble ourselves before you, knowing that you are opposed to the proud, but give grace to the humble. Thank you. We can learn from Daniel chapter 4 what will happen to us if we walk in pride, that you will humble those who walk in pride. Help us, Father. Help us to learn from the Scriptures and allow them to teach us and to train us in righteousness. Please, Father, forgive us Help us to, 
to ask you to refresh our minds and to revive our spirits and to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your scriptures and repent of our pride. Help us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.